Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to the Valance Company's third quarter fiscal 2021 financial results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A brief question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. It is now my pleasure to introduce your host, Everett Knight, Executive Vice President of Corporate Development and Capital Markets, of the Valens Company. Everett, please go ahead. Thank you, operator. Good morning and welcome to the Valens Company's third quarter 2021 financial results conference call for the period ended August 31st, 2021. A replay of this call will be archived on the investor relations section of the Valens website at thevalenscompany.com slash investors. Before we begin, please let me remind you that during the course of this conference call, Valens management may make statements including with respect to management's expectations or estimates of future performance. All such statements other than statements of historical fact constitute forward-looking information or forward-looking statements within the meaning of the applicable security laws and are based on expectations, estimates, and projections as of the date hereof. Specific forward-looking statements include without limitation all disclosures regarding future results of operation, economic conditions, and anticipated courses of action. These forward-looking statements are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties that may cause actual results to differ materially from expectations. For more information on the company's risks and uncertainties related to forward-looking statements, please refer to our latest annual information form and our latest management discussion and analysis, otherwise known as MD&A, each as filed with the Canadian Securities Regulatory Authorities at CDAR.com or on the Valens Company's website at thevalenscompany.com. The risks described in the annual information form, which may cause the actual results, performance, or achievements of the Valence Company to be materially different from estimated future results, performance, or achievements expressed by the forward-looking information or forward-looking statements, are hereby incorporated by reference herein. Although these forward-looking statements reflect management's current beliefs and reasonable assumptions based on the current available information to management as of the date hereof, we cannot be certain on the actual results that will be consistent with the forward-looking statements in the future. We caution you not to place undue reliance upon such forward-looking results. For any reconciliation of non-GAAP measured measures it and dis- discussed, please consult our latest MD&A as filed on CDAR. Now joining me on the call today are Mr. Tyler Robson, Chief Executive Officer, Mr. Sunil Gandhi, uh, Chief Financial Officer, and Mr. Jeff Fowles, President. With that, I would now like to hand the call over to Tyler. Thank you, Everett, and welcome to everyone that has joined our earnings call to discuss our results for the third quarter ended August 31st, 2021. I will start by giving a recap of our most recent highlights and review all that we have accomplished over the last year before Jeff goes into more detail on our operational and strategic accomplishments from the quarter. Everett discusses our corporate development and capital markets activities. Janelle will also give an overview of our financial results for the quarter. Uh, first of all, though, I want to start by saying we, we acknowledge it was, it was a, a challenging quarter uh, that we're not shying away from, but at the end of the day, the business is stronger and we did make strategic 
initiatives to move the business ahead. Um, I'll, I'll probably start by talking about some of the challenges first, including the supply chain. Um, I think we all know COVID has been a, a challenging time for us, but we're, we're still making strides ahead. And as we continue to strategically move the business, uh, we, there's been some delays in, in manufacturing capabilities or even automation. Um, so it's not that we're not doing exactly what we said we're going to, we are, it's just taking a little bit longer than expected. Whether it's delays in physical equipment coming into K2 or even getting tapped in from, from Europe to come commission some of the equipment. So we've seen some delays, but we're still extremely confident on where the business is going. Um, just to echo again how we are confident, we obviously saw strong growth in the quarter as evidence of Avalanche successfully transitioning into a B2C and positioning as one of the fastest growing LPs in Canada. B2C revenue lines represented roughly 50% of net revenue in Q3, and we expect this to continually grow. Uh, provincial sales growth 20% quarter over quarter, supported by 76.5% increase in consumption levels at retail, uh, with outpacing our competitors. Uh, our, our motto has always been fewer, bigger, better, and I think we are seeing that. So again, I want to make sure people understand the difference between a SKU and a listing. Um, we are still running under the model fewer, bigger, better, and we're also kind of adding a new one, create, build, and optimize. As we are building new markets into B2C, we're, we're now looking at optimization, not only through optimization of automation, but also looking at, at delisting a few non-moving velocity SKUs and really doubling down on a few of the big ones. Uh, also, when you look at a few of the accomplishments in the quarter, looking at the acquisitions of Verse and the pending acquisition of Citizen Stack to propel Valens in the flower category, um, we still wholeheartedly believe those were strategic moves. Verse amplifies the Valens provincial listing, uh, and for the example of BC God, but as a top five seller in flower SKU during September in Alberta, Ontario, NBC, according to Highfire. Um, another thing I'll touch on briefly is just the market innovation. Again, I don't think anyone can touch us on the market innovation for not only what's already launched, what's coming in the next few weeks, and kind of some of the products we're working on. One of the big things you'll see out of Valens is our infused pre-roll uh, SKUs. Uh, I don't think anyone else can touch our capabilities there. We, we've seen a few infused pre-rolls that I'll call subpar to the premium category, and you're going to see multiple coming out of Valens. So you'll see one with hash, you'll see one with live resin, and then you'll see one with disk split. But not only will you see a branded one, you'll see some B2B partnerships. Uh, start to leak out in some of those verticals as well. And I'll echo again from the last call, our B2B relationships are, are stronger than ever, uh, and you'll see some of those. So obviously you saw the six relationships go public. Uh, you're going to see a few more coming very, very soon. Um, for now, I'll, I'll turn the call over to Jeff Bowles, president of the Valen Company, to dive into the deeper operational achievements and strategic initiatives. Thanks, Tyler. We are very pleased with the progress we have made on our strategic initiatives and have taken some tough but needed first steps to transform Valens into a leading cannabis consumer packaged good company. In the third quarter, we experienced strong growth in product sales on a sequential and year-over-year -year basis, resulting in a 20% increase in net provincial sales and a 76.5% increase in consumption level retail sales, according to HiFire. I highlight this growth in provincial sales in the midst of a tough market backdrop not to suggest we are satisfied with the top-line revenue performance in the quarter, but as a clear indication that the mechanisms or the mechanics of our previously discussed strategic plan, including differentiated launch, grow, and optimized phases, is working and has only just started to produce the results we envisioned at the outset. Our launch phase has generated deep and broad skew penetration at the provincial level, with our provincial listings increasing by 37.1%, 
to 181 in Q3 2021 compared to 132 in the second quarter. 27 additional provincial listings were achieved since the end of Q3 2021, and another 40 provincial listings will be added from the acquisition of Citizen Stash, amounting to pro forma 248 provincial listings. We believe this industry-leading growth has successfully set the stage for the next phase in our strategic plan, the growth phase, in which we intend to target accelerated expansion of market share, strong revenue growth, and margin improvement. As we enter this phase, we have already initiated both process and operational changes to ensure we are able to efficiently service the anticipated increase in demand. In addition, we have repositioned our B2B business to focus on deeper relationships with larger partners and will be making targeted investments into automated equipment to handle both the growth in volumes and support a key growth phase objective, an increase in margins. We anticipate the benefits from these and other activities will be realized over much of the 2022 fiscal year before we turn our focus to the final step in our strategic plan, the optimization phase. Touching on our U.S. strategy and green roads, with slightly more than two months of revenue accounted for during the third quarter of 2021 and revenue contribution of $4.7 million, we believe the U.S. CBD segment will be a long-term growth engine for Valens. Going forward, we will remain focused on executing and leveraging both our relationships and manufacturing expertise to drive both channel and volume growth for new and existing Green Roads products in the U.S., Canada, and internationally. We've witnessed the remarkable demand and popularity for products across the CBD and cannabinoid-based wellness space and are fortunate to have gained a piece of this significant market. While our top priority remains building our Canadian and U.S. domestic footprint, we continue to make capital and asset-like strategic advances to expand our international opportunities. Indicative of this strategy, we recently entered into a long-term partnership with Australia's Epsilon Healthcare Limited. This exclusive manufacturing partnership will give Valens access to Epsilon's good manufacturing practices or GMP facility in Australia. The key benefit of this partnership will be to accelerate our growth, our growth in Australia while also giving us access to EU GMP grade products for export to key international markets such as Latin America, Europe, the UK, and the Asia-Pacific Asia region. Entering this partnership with Epsilon is another milestone for Balans and delivers on a key and promised deliverable in 2021. The agreement also reaffirms Valens' positioning as a leading global CBG cannabis manufacturer. Additionally, we continue to advance the POMI facility in the GTA as we anticipate receiving Health Canada's approval to begin manufacturing and distributing our cannabis 2.0 and 3.0 products in the near term. We continuously strive to grow our distribution network in order to meet the market demand across Canada and Valens currently manufactures products to serve six provinces and one territory. During the third quarter, we made significant progress in our efforts to bring our innovative product portfolio to Quebec, a key market that represents nearly 15% of Canadian cannabis retail sales. Specifically, Valens has received authorization from AMP to, to contract and subcontract with a public body in Quebec. AMP's authorization has set in motion Valens' ability to become a registered vendor to supply goods and services in Quebec. We have consistently messaged since the beginning of the year that Valens would exit 2021 as a very different company than when we entered. Implicit in that assertion was our belief that at the end of the year, we would be best positioned to service both our customers and consumers, grow market share, drive towards profitability, and be a leader in the industry. 
We believe Valence is poised to enter 2022 from a position of strength with a balance sheet that allows us to operate in a nimble manner in order to capitalize on future M&A opportunities and organic growth. The future prospects for Valence have never been better, and we are excited about the opportunities that lie ahead both for the company and our shareholders. I'll now turn the call over to Everett to discuss industry trends and capital markets activities. Everett. Thank you, Jeff. As Tyler and Jeff have made clear, we are a very different company than we were at the beginning of 2021. To illustrate this, I wanted to start with five quick facts that we believe only scratches the surface on putting into context the transformation Valence has undergone. One, roughly 50% of our sales in Q3 2021 were made up of U.S. CBD and Canadian provincial sales, where both segments were largely non-existent last year. Two, Valens owns Greenroads, a top 10 U.S. CBD brand, which has shipped to over 10,000 locations and has a robust e-commerce business, whereas at the start of this year, Valens did not have any U.S. operations. Three, we have now shipped well over a million units to seven provinces and territories in 2021, showing the power of our team and our platform, where last year we only manufactured hundreds of thousands of units and shipped to four provinces. Four, edible provincial listings made up roughly 25% of our overall listings at the end of the quarter, where we had zero at the beginning of the year. Five, Valens successfully launched a top five dried cannabis skew with Verse without cultivating cannabis, where a year ago, this wasn't even a product category we operated in. We believe our joint B2C and B2B platform that mirrors large CPG companies offers a unique opportunity for investors to gain access to higher margin branded products and increased utilization through manufacturing for third parties while leveraging the sophisticated platform we have built today. The edibles category is going to continue to be a focus for us as seen by the innovation products that we have launched across the category, including Very Cherry Chocolate um, Covered Gummies, Vacay Ice Cream Sandwich Cookies and Cream Chocolate Bites, and the Chocolate Peanut Butter Cup, just to name a few. In Canada, the edibles category is one of the fastest growing, having increased retail sales 123% since Q3 2020, and now represents 5.1% of the market as of Q3 2021 in Alberta, Ontario, and BC, according to HiFire. With our recently announced agreement to acquire Citizen Stash and acquisition of Verse, we have gained exposure to a much larger share of the market, operating in two of the best segments for profitable growth, cannabis 2.0 products and premium dried flour. In Canada today, extract-based products make up approximately 30% of the sales, compared to California, a more sophisticated cannabis market where they make up almost 50% of sales. This growth is also illustrated in premium cannabis, with the Canadian premium cannabis making up 14% of the market, where in California, this makes up 31% of the market today. We believe that California is a great roadmap for the future growth, and upon closing these two acquisitions, we believe we have two brands that are well-positioned with leading provincial listings and market share. Furthermore, the pending strategic acquisition of Citizen Stash is expected to provide accelerated entry into the premium flower vertical with an asset light approach. 
Citizens Dash is a world-class genetics company that will bring to Valens a network of contract growers that is a very similar model to other CPG industries interacting with agriculture. Citizens Dash is expected to bring 40-plus provincial listings to our platform, increasing our pro forma provincial listings to 248. Valens is now present in seven provinces and territories, and this will grow to nine across Canada, assuming the successful close of the Citizens Dash acquisition. Additionally, our, our acquisition of Verse, which closed subsequent to the quarter, was the natural progression of our active partnership, which has allowed Valens full access to its broad product portfolio offered across the Cannabis 1.0 and 2.0 categories. We view this acquisition of Verse and the pending acquisition of Citizens Dash once completed to strongly position Valens branded products across the value chain and showcases Valens low-cost manufacturing platform. We anticipate both acquisitions to be accretive to Valens. We have remained focused on finding strategic M&A opportunities that would complement our longer-term vision. With the U.S. being at the top of our list, we are working to provide our shareholders with greater exposure to this massive market in a variety of strategic verticals. In addition, we are constantly monitoring the Canadian and international markets for growth and synergies. Alongside all of these achievements, and as we've recently announced, despite a longer than expected timeline due to the backlog as a result of the pandemic, we are diligently pursuing the process of completing our listing on NASDAQ and anticipate we will commence trading on the exchange before the end of the year. The NASDAQ listing is expected to provide balance with greater trading liquidity while also allowing for a broader base of institutional investors. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Sunil to run through the financial results for the third quarter of fiscal 2021. Thanks, Everett. Now moving on to our third quarter 2021 financial results. Net revenue increased by 15.8% to $21 million for the three months ended August 31st, 2021, compared to $18.1 million in the same period of fiscal 2020. The increase in revenue was primarily driven by cannabis operations revenue, and more specifically, by an increase of $4.5 million, or 29.7% in product sales. Offsetting this increase was the continued decline in revenue associated with toll extraction, co-packing services, and bulk oil sales as the company continues to execute on its strategy of transitioning away from a focus on toll processing to a product development and manufacturing company. Gross profit margins for the third quarter were 26.8% compared to 22% in the second quarter of 2021. The improved gross margin in our most recent quarter compared to the previous quarter was mainly attributable to the higher margin profile in the green growth business. The margins in the Canadian business continue to perform below our long-term expectations due to the inherent inefficiencies of new production processes, especially those associated with new product launches. In addition, throughout the last year, Valence has experienced supply chain challenges and chronic labor shortages in the market, which ultimately drive up labor costs. It is expected, though, that gross profit will continue to improve over time as we optimize our product mix production volumes increase, and processes are made more efficient through automation initiatives. Operating expenses were $19.5 million compared to $15 million in the second quarter of 2021 and $10.7 million in the same period last year. 
The increase in operating expenses compared to the previous quarter is predominantly due to the inclusion of the Green Roads business, along with increased DNO insurance costs covering our U.S. operations serving as a secondary factor, and all other remaining expenses actually coming in slightly lower than the previous quarter. Balance ended the third quarter of 2021 with an adjusted EBITDA of negative $6.2 million compared to negative $5 million for the quarter ended May 31st, as the increased revenues and gross margins were offset by higher operating expenses. We do remain confident that our transition to a global product development and manufacturing platform and our acquisitions of Verse Cannabis and the completion of the pending Citizen Sash acquisition will result in positive performance in the coming quarters. We are looking forward to the fourth quarter 2021 and fiscal 2022, where we anticipate an increase to recurring lines of revenue as a result of our focus on capturing additional market share and increasing our listing base. The company will continue to leverage our updated business model, as well as the pipeline of new partnerships, accretive potential acquisitions, and global expansion opportunities to create substantial value for all shareholders and stakeholders. From a balance sheet perspective, Balance continues to manage its working capital balances to ensure a strong balance sheet position. As of August 31st, 2021, overall receivables on the balance sheet were $41.1 million, which included $34.5 million of trade receivables from customers, with the balances being made up of other non-trade receivables. The balance of trade receivables as of August 31st actually declined by 9% from the balance outstanding at the end of the previous quarter, with the inclusion of receivables from Green Roads serving as a partial offset. In addition, balance has subsequently collected and has had trade accounts payable outstanding with the same partners representing 68% of the total accounts receivable balance, which is outstanding as of August 31st, 2021. As the revenue mix continues to move towards increased sales with provincial and BDC customers with more regimented and favorable payment terms relative to B2B LP customers, we do anticipate continued improvements in the amount of outstanding AR. From an inventory standpoint, the company has $29.6 million on hand as at August 31st, 2021, compared to $15.2 million on hand as at May 31st, 2021. The increase in inventory was largely driven by two main variables. One being the need to procure and build inventory in advance of the numerous new product launches that are being undertaken. And secondly, there was an operational need to build more finished goods inventory to more effectively service our key provincial customers with growing volumes and demand for our various products. This can be demonstrated by the $5 million increase in the company's finished good position as at August 31st compared to the previous quarter. The cycle of new product launches and changes in product mix can be expected to cause some near-term volatility in inventory balances in the quarters ahead, but should be expected to stabilize once customer demand and sales patterns achieve a more normalized and rhythmic state. Balance ended the quarter with a strong cash position of $31 million as of August 31, 2021, compared to $23.9 million in the previous quarter. There was a significant amount of capital flows within the quarter, starting with a $43 million capital raise at the beginning of the quarter. This was then offset, partially offset, I should say, by the proceeds of approximately $18 million required to close the acquisition of Greenroads. In addition to the settlement of various transactional costs, 
capital spend, debt repayment, and the full payment of our full year's premium on the company's D&O insurance policy associated with entering the U.S. market. The total of all these above items resulted in the use of $28 million in cash. And then the increase in inventory levels of $14.4 million to support operational requirements was partially offset by the decline in trade receivables and the recent improvements in the operational cash burn rate. With these items largely behind us, we feel good about the strength of the company's balancing cash position as we enter the fourth quarter. With that, I will turn the call over to the operator to open the line for the question and answer section. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we will be conducting a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question, you may press star one on your telephone keypad. The confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star two if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star key. Our first question comes from the line of Andrew Parthenew with Stiefel. Please proceed with your question. Good morning and thank you for taking my questions. Um, maybe just to start off on on Quebec, um, you know, you could you provide an update on on the process? What and what do you think um, needs to be done in order to become an approved vendor? And um, you know, once you be, do become an approved vendor, could you walk us through, if possible, on how protocols work in the province um, to ultimately have your brands and products on the shelf? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Andrew, for the question. Obviously, it's Tyler. A um, few different things here. One, Quebec is, is definitely a challenging market, especially with the change in management. Um, with the new CEO coming in relatively soon, and I think I'll, I'll call it October 22nd is this new start date. Uh, there's just been a few challenges and changes, and they've slowed down a few things as we continue, but we're, we're still super excited and extremely confident that we will be in Quebec in a meaningful way in the near future. Uh, obviously, with, with some of the challenges of changing management, you change relationships, you change ideas, you change strategy. But uh, I'll echo again, we are confident that we will have a meaningful position in Quebec. We are working on an agreement. Uh, it is well underway. Um, I, I probably won't comment further on, on when we're going to have it done, but uh, it, it is in the near future, and we are excited. Definitely looking forward to seeing your products in my home province. Um, maybe switching gears, um, talking about gross margin improvement. I, I think you mentioned, you know, the driver in this quarter was, was mostly CBD. Um, could you talk a little bit about your facility utilization rate, where it stands now? Um, you know, you have a lot of SKU listings that you've won, a lot of new brand partnerships that you've announced, and obviously, you know, pushing on your own brands as well going forward. So how can we see that utilization rate ramp up? What do you think that could do to gross margins? And, and um, you know, maybe tying that in with, you know, you make a, a, a comment earlier on the difference between listings, uh, SKU listings and SKUs manufactured. You can see here that your listings are almost double the rate of the SKUs that you're manufacturing, which 
could potentially be a leading indicator for your gross margin. So, you know, a lot of moving parts here. If you could just touch on that and what we can expect going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously a lot to unwind in that one. I'll start with kind of K2. As we continue to ramp up, it's hard to pinpoint an exact number on where we are, uh, especially with some automation still coming online. And like I touched on earlier, uh, we expected to have some of it online earlier, uh, to be frank. And again, some of the challenges of not only getting it commissioned or validated, but getting physical text in from Italy to bring on some of that stuff. So I don't think I can pinpoint an exact number, but what we will see is, is less manpower and more automation. And that's one of our key focuses to drive gross margin. And in time, you will obviously see it continue to get better and better and improve over time. Um, yeah, I, I think that's basically the best way to say it, Jeff. Yeah, and, and I think if you think about it, um, and, I, and I like the distinction between number of SKUs and the listings, obviously we believe the listings are a leading indicator uh, future revenue potential and what we've done in the last quarter is is you know focus on getting all of those pro uh, products available or the processes available to handle the volume growth that we're anticipating so you think about when you scale up to start a process there's lots of inefficiencies there's lots of learnings there's lots of things like that that go directly against our gross margin you know those things largely being worked out and as the volume starts to increase and those uh, provincial orders start to increase uh, you know, like your first orders are always small, right, Andrew? And then the second order and the third order and fourth order. So as those orders continue to increase and you get the real benefit of launching those products, it's a natural uh, progression that the gross margin increases. Fantastic. And and just a, a last one, if I could, um, you know, just on the uh, Cashbird and SG&A, Sunil, thank you for that for that good color there. Um, obviously, you know, on the SG&A line, we saw it increase, um, you know, quarter over quarter, and this is above, um, well above the Q1 levels here. Um, could you, you know, with 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 the color that you provided on on the insurance payments and and closing of acquisitions, could you provide a little bit of color on, um, you know, what we could expect maybe in Q4? Um, should this stabilize out? Should we even perhaps expect um, uh, a decrease in, in expenses here. Um, just a little bit more color on that could be helpful. So I think I'll start by saying, I think, you know, the, the most material change from the previous quarter was obviously now including green road sense of business into our numbers, right? Otherwise, if you actually look at Q3 versus Q2, our SG&A line was, was actually very, very stable. So, you know, now taking into account green roads being part of our business going forward, and the DNO costs also being part of our business going forward. You know, I, I can't tell you exactly where SGNA would lined up next quarter, but I'm not expecting material changes from, from where we landed right now. Thanks for that. Then I'll get back in the queue. Product question comes from the line of Federico Gomez with ATB Capital Markets. Please proceed with your question. Uh, good morning, guys, and uh, thanks for, for taking my questions. So just to start off um, about your, your, your US CBD segment, you know, could you comment on, on the competitive landscape there? You know, what are you seeing in terms of pricing and just overall growth in the industry? Uh, we know it's a very fragmented market there. And uh, how confident are you about reaching the, the EBITDA targets that you set for, for green roads uh, for 2022? Thanks. 
Yeah, uh, great. Uh, hello, and thanks for the thanks for the question. So, uh, in the CBD space, uh, obviously, um, when you look at the board, as you said, it's fragmented, and we're starting to see, uh, you know, some consolidation. Some of the smaller players start to fall away uh, out of the space um, as the the users are and the consumers of CBD in the in the market uh, begin to get a little bit more discerning about the products that they're that they're utilizing. Uh, we like that trend, and we like the opportunity that that provides uh, to Green Roads. Uh, you know, as we continue to move forward, there's a couple of tailwinds that it would, you know, in our view, you know, greatly propel the opportunity that we're seeing in the CBD space down there. Obviously, the first is getting a little bit more clarity from the FDA. Uh, as you would know, when you look in the, the, the store formats, et cetera, carrying various CBD products and the assortment of products that are available in some of the, the larger format stores, you know, very limited right now, uh, given the FDA uncertainty, uh, really limited to sort of topicals, et cetera, in those distribution channels. So getting some clarity there would be a nice tailwind for us. Uh, and, and as you're saying, and, and from that, uh, the EBITDA targets or the, or the opportunity we saw in Green Roads would, you know, would be a, a go a long way to, you know, to fulfilling that, uh, that objective that we have, you know, that sort of one catalyst alone. Uh, otherwise, uh, as we're bringing the two businesses together and we're consolidating relationships and making introductions for Green Roads to balance relationships as we, you know, I told the market we were going to do and, and also, you know, compare uh, product assortments and, and uh, IP opportunities, opportunities to share IP, et cetera. You know, we're pretty excited about what we're seeing out of Green Roads. We're excited about the team that's, uh, that's down there and what they're doing for us. So, you know, while, while it's, uh, I think it's, it's too early to comment anymore on sort of that EBITDA number uh, that we announced as part of the acquisition, um, you know, we are uh, greatly encouraged by what we're seeing and we, we still very much like that opportunity. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So, so that's, a, that's great caller. And maybe just on, on uh, your outlook here, you know, we know that Q4 is still going to be uh, a transitional quarter for you guys, but just looking forward into 2022, uh, how should we look at growth? You know, will, will it come more from your B2C side, 2.0 products or 1.0 products, or, or maybe from Green Roads or even international? How, how should we look at that in terms of a mix between B2C, B2B, and Green Roads and international? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what you're going to see is all of the above with a major, major focus on B2C, not only in Canada and the U.S. As we move towards the B2C model and really get behind some of the brands and open up distribution, uh, I think that's going to be one of the biggest growth factors that, that you'll see in 2022. Yeah, and, and uh, obviously, as Tyler said, that uh, strong emphasis or expectation there on the B2C side, but you know, not to underplay our, what we're seeing from the B2B side and the opportunity that we're seeing there. Uh, we continue to like the relationships that we have and that we're building and think that there's very strong potential uh, for our base business in those relationships. Uh, and as we look uh, south of the border and we look to Green Roads, Again, the, the, the pipeline of opportunity that we see there, the conversations that are currently ongoing, you know, and, and the general market backdrop uh, of several catalysts as we just discussed for the CBD space, uh, you know, we're very encouraged about what, what the contribution that Green Roads can be making to balance financial statements uh, in 2022. And, and Frederico, it's Deborah here. Maybe to further kind of give context to that, and you saw this quarter that we had 50% of our sales coming from provincial sales and Green Roads already. Now, with the closing of Citizen Stash, I think you see that aspect greatly increase going into 2022. So you, you, that's great context for you from a modeling standpoint, where obviously we pick Citizen Stash in the 2.0 areas because they're not only the fastest growing, but we see long-term the best profitable growth in those two categories. 
Okay, that, that's great. Thanks. Uh, I'll hold back, Nikki. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Shan Mir with Canaccord Genuity. Please proceed with your question. Hey, good morning, and thank you for taking my question. Um, so my first question, I just wanted to touch on where the business is at with the SKU optimization. Um, in the press release, it was noted that Valens reached critical mass on SKU portfolio this quarter, and uh, I think earlier in the prepared remarks, I believe uh, Tyler mentioned that there was some additional opportunity to move away from underperforming SKUs um, in what's uh, being distributed today. Um, so I just wanted to calibrate what portion of the currently listed SKUs do you see opportunity to drop, and then also... Um, as it relates to the citizen's dash portfolio, what proportion of that business's current distribution do you see opportunity to take offline or optimize on that front? Um, thanks. Yeah, of course. Maybe I'll start with citizen's dash. As we move closer to closing that transaction, I think there is a, a good opportunity to, again, optimize their portfolio and really bring them into the fewer, bigger, better strategy and really bring velocity in some of the SKUs, the SKUs and sorry, automate their packaging. Right now, they're doing everything by hand and the way they're sourcing biomass is, is not efficient, if you know what I mean. So bringing the fewer, bigger, better model to them, I, I think will greatly improve their gross margin as we incorporate it. Uh, also, when you look at our SKUs, what you'll see over the next kind of couple quarters, and it, it, again, it takes longer than people think it does to even delist the SKU or list the SKU uh, with the provincial board. So you'll see us move on some from of our, our smaller partnerships or our, our non-velocity SKUs and really double down. And one thing that, that a greatly affected our velocity or, or even optimization is, is our provincial sales are selling so quick we can't keep up with the demand so it's negatively impacting our gross margin short term as we continue to throw bodies at it where we lack automation so there's some processes right now where you look at we have 10 manual people packaging things out that are going to go to one one machine so it, it's greatly going to affect our not only our output but our gross margin so there are a few SKUs you're really getting behind. You look at BC Godbud, you look at the first pre-rolls, uh, and then you look at our vape category, you're going to see greater velocity and, and more automation coming out of those. Thank you for the color there. Um, and then uh, my second question, it's, uh, it's more on the international front. Um, could you help outline some of the capital requirements with the uh, Epsilon Sales Support Agreement? Uh, my understanding is that Valens assumes the operational and uh, capital expenditures at the facility. So just curious what's remaining from a CapEx perspective and then uh, what the expectations are for CapEx spend over the next year. Sure. So first we'll address sort of the, the opportunity in, in Australia. So out of the gates, we don't anticipate any significant capital investments into the facility uh, at all. Uh, right now it's, it's an operating platform. Uh, it already has the capability of producing products and in fact is producing products uh, for Valens uh, um, already today. Uh, they, the potential for CapEx goes forward as the market continues to develop there. And as we've always said, once the economic opportunity proves itself, we'd be more than happy to put uh, capital to work. So as we continue to build out that business, once it gets to capacity and once we start to see the opportunity uh, continue to increase for us there, uh, we won't be shy about you know, making some additional investments in, and uh, into that, into that uh, market. Uh, but to be clear, that's not a that's not a big swing capital investment. That's you know some some additional equipment that may be uh, upgrading some additional equipment or some of the equipment they have down there. So it's not a big swing. It's 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 uh, right size capital investment, but it's only when we see the economic op economic opportunity to earn a return. Perfect. Uh, thank you for the color there, and I'll hop back in the queue. Our next question comes from the line of John Chu with Des Jordan's Capital Markets. Please proceed with your question. Hi, good morning. 
So you've put the strategic uh, transition mostly behind you now. You're you're in your growth or ramp up stage. So is it safe to say that the, the third quarter and even the, the quarter prior to that, the second quarter is really your, your trough or your bottom, and that going forward we should start to see accelerated sales, and with that gross margin improving, and 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 then obviously the EBITDA starting to improve from from these levels going forward. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a fair statement, John. I, uh, the question becomes just a matter of timing on that. So when you're launching a SKU, just to be clear, uh, there's, as Tyler said, it's a long process, which is, you know, when we, when we announce into the market all these SKUs that we're getting listed and, and, and noting the, the listings, uh, you know, we don't want to be judged necessarily on our listings. What, we, what we're trying to do is be clear with the progress that we're making with the strategic plan to actually get to the, the larger scale revenue that, that those SKU listings represent could be anywhere from six to 12 months, right? So as the province uh, accepts the listing, brings it on, you meet the first delivery opportunity to the province, uh, they do their initial orders, uh, and then it gets into the system and through the system and you start to get that velocity, uh, it could be anywhere from six to 12 months. So yes, 100% getting those listings in was a big first step. We're very excited about that. And we are going to be working with the provinces to drive that volume as quickly as possible, but just to set realistic expectations out there as to what that means from a, a growth and a, and a margin profile perspective. Uh, yes, it's coming. It's, it'll just be product dependent and it'll be over the next six to 12 months. Okay, so then maybe adding on to that. So your manufactured SKUs, I guess a few quarters ago, you're in the low 60s, you dipped into the low to mid 50s, and now you've jumped back up to 67 as of the, the third quarter. So it sounds like those 10 new additional manufacturer SKUs from the prior quarter, uh, that sounds like it's going to be a drag on margins then for the near term, similar to the idea you had before that the revenue that you're going to have a higher cost structure and then it's going to take a bit for the revenue to catch up so that, is that going to act as a bit of a margin headwind even though you have your your listings starting to to ramp up revenue uh i'd say yes and yes and no <laughs> um, i'd say yes when we when we start something there is additional cost profiles we've been trying to be clear about with the market but though additional SKU listings are variations of existing SKUs. So they're not whole new SKUs, for example. So variations on pre-roll formats or, uh, you know, putting whether you do, uh, you know, five in a pack or 10 in a pack or something like that, these represent additional SKUs, John, but they don't necessarily have, a, have the same kind of impact as when you're launching a new product line. So the 67 manufacturer SKUs, they're not, um, they're not, uh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. So they're not whole. They're not wholesale new product forms. They're based on existing processes and variations that we're adding to those. So from an efficiency perspective, there's much more, uh, or there's much less hit on cost, uh, even though we believe that there's real opportunity for those SKUs in the market from a revenue perspective. So not as not nearly as pronounced as as uh, historically when we were launching all new product forms. Okay. So those ten additional quarter over quarter in manufacturer SKUs, pretty well all of them are. Are central are essentially derivatives of existing SKUs? Correct. Correct. Okay. Perfect. And then just the last question then. You talked about or Tyler talked about some supply chain issues, just delay equipment and getting technicians over and whatnot. Did that have a meaningful impact on sales for the quarter or margins? And have those issues been resolved yet? 
Yeah, I would say overall sales, like if you look at what we could have done in, in the verse pre-roll, for example, we can't meet the demand. And if you look at like even the labeling of that pin, we're doing it by hand as compared to automation. So it, it affects margin and it affects velocity of skew. So I think both of those coming in, and again, I think people are underestimating some of the, the global supply chain issues. There's absolutely nothing we can do. Um, and, and some of the automation is it's on route. It's been delayed a couple weeks, some cases a couple months. Um, but again, we're not going to we're not going to risk putting inferior product on the shelf or rep or do damage to the reputation and or brand. So um, it, it's a we're the product of the environment essentially. But yeah, we, we did leave some money on the table and it did affect our gross margin. So we will clean that up and and we're extremely excited to get those products and processes online. So so is that going to be still a modest drag in, in Q4 then? Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. That's it for me. Our next question comes from the line of Neil Gilmer with Haywood Securities. Please proceed with your question. Yeah, good morning, all. Um, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, I'll probably just sort of continue along the line of, of uh, the listings here um, to understand that, and then a second question after that. You know, you obviously had a 37% increase in the listings that you put in, and then subsequent to that, some more. What's sort of driving the success um, to be able to get those provincial listings, and then sort of the subpart to that question would be, if, if you take, for example, the six manufacturing agreements you recently announced, are those already listings that you have with the provinces, or those are you know net new listings that we should expect as you start to uh, manufacture those products and, and get them into the provinces? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the question, Neil. I'll, I'll touch on the provincial success first. Why are we winning provincial listings? Uh, I, I think it's kind of a, a three-pronged stool. One, innovation. I don't think some of the products going live anyone else can do. You look at a peanut butter cup, you look at a few of the uh, other edible innovations we've got listed, you look at the hard seltzers that are going live in a can with a resealable lid, um, we have innovation that no one else can touch. Two, um, the product offering, the depth of product where it's basically, we're, I don't want to call it bartering and trading with some of the provinces like look, we'll do that for you if you guys give us these two products. So it's really about the relationships we have in place and really being seen as an ally to the provincial boards. Um, other than that, I think we'd see pricing as the lowest cost producer or the largest purchaser of biomass and the lowest cost producer for bulk biomass. I think we can do a product offering that no one else can touch on the price. And as we continue to bring on automation and optimize a lot of the processes, you'll, you'll really see that gross margin start to improve. Uh, the second question, with those uh, six agreements that we went live with, some of them are to provincial boards and some of them are strictly bulk back to uh, the licensed producers with excess capacity we have. So when you really look at utilization of infrastructure, that's where we really start to move the needle as well, is, is backfilling our excess capacity. Okay, thanks Tyler, appreciate that. My second question sort of comes back to, I guess, the strategy. Obviously, this has been a, a transformative year um, and you've had a number of acquisitions. As we look forward now, is your strategy sort of focused on integration and demonstrating, you know, how creative those acquisitions are and, and making sure that, um, you know, everything goes well with respect to the acquisitions? Or are we to be expecting, you know, still you're, you're, you're very aggressive, taking a look at potential opportunities and, and could have some, some further acquisitions over the course of the next, say, 12 months or whatever? I would say the biggest thing getting our attention right now is going to be integration, but also supply chain. When you look at the ecosystems that we bought, and I'll use um, Citizens Dash with a pending transaction coming, 
you look at the ability for us to move the needle, not only on supply chain standpoint and really get to automation, even like again, sourcing biomass at a, at a significantly deep discount to what they're currently paying. I really think integration and supply chain are gonna be the story of Allen's going forward. Uh, obviously we're gonna be opportunistic if the right opportunity comes along, but uh, the story for us is gonna be integration and supply chain on all those uh, acquisitions that we've made. Great, thanks Tyler. Our next question comes from the line of Gerald Pescarelli with Cowan. Please proceed with your question. Hi, good morning. Uh, thanks very much for taking the questions. Um, so my first one's on green roads. Um, obviously, a, a, a nice contributor to your um, to your top line this quarter. You know, even even though it was a partial quarter, um, I'm just curious if you could provide any color on how sales are maybe trending you know, into your fiscal 4Q, and then, you know, the expected benefit um, that, you, that you expect green roads to get following the passage of, um, of AB45 in California um, seems like a, obviously a net positive for the industry just in terms of uh, distribution white space. So any color you could provide there would be helpful. Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, thanks for the question. So from a green roads perspective uh, and a revenue perspective going into the fourth quarter, uh, you know, uh, the, we I would expect in the short term the company to continue to operate as it has, you know, on, on a similar basis to what it did in the, in the third quarter uh, as we're going through and making introductions uh, and also driving through some, some you know, the balance uh, added uh, value to the equation. Uh, it takes time to get that stuff properly implemented and get out into the market. So I would expect, you know, the, the bigger changes or the more growth to happen going into 2022 down at Green Roads. Uh, but that being said, as I said earlier, there are some potential positive catalysts uh, uh, south of the border there that uh, could change that equation dramatically. Uh, you know, California is an interesting opportunity, uh, and from Greenwood's perspective, where there wasn't, uh, you know, significant sales into California, obviously, uh, given the, the, the previous uh, uh, regulatory state there. But on the back of that opening up, absolutely, that's an opportunity for Greenroads and one that we're going to be helping them realize uh, uh, in the coming weeks and, and months here. Got it. Uh, thanks very much for the color. That's that's helpful. Um, my my next question is um, on your on, on your partnerships. I, I know that that you had called out in the press release that you're you're transitioning away from your your smaller you know non profitable B two B partners, which which obviously impacted your revenues. But at the same time, you know you sign um, a big custom manufacturing agreement with, with, with six larger customers. And so I guess like as we look at the business going forward, is, is that disruption from, from the transition behind us? Um, should, this, should this new manufacturing agreement, um, you know, at, at, at a minimum partially or if, if not fully offset, uh, you know, some of the disruption that you're, that you're seeing currently um, in your revenue trends? Um, any, any commentary there would be helpful. Thank you. Sure. No, th thanks, Gerald. It's a, it's a great question. So, so if you look at the transition to that business, those six agreements are projected to ramp up over the next two quarters. So, yes, I think it was the right decision to go away from underperforming partners, right? What you want is more profitable growth. And what we try to do with these larger par partners is we want more consistency from them. And, and we want that relationship of higher utilization, higher volumes. And that's what we've gotten of those six partnerships, three uh, three of them were the top seven LPs in Canada. 
And as Tyler mentioned, I think you continue to see that to grow over the next term. So I think you see that ramp up over the next two quarters because some of the agreements don't start till Q1, Gerald. But largely, you're seeing that transition over that. And, and obviously, that transition of the B2B going to more consistent and larger players. Yeah, and one thing I'll kind of add on to that is, is out of those six agreements that, that did go live, all of those were Canadian-based groups. Uh, what you'll see in the upcoming weeks, months, quarters is some U.S. partnerships. Again, the same relationships we have in Canada, we're going to be taking them and or joining them in the U.S., which you will see go live in the foreseeable future. So fewer, bigger, better, both sides of the border. Got it. Um, super helpful. Thanks very much for the color. Uh, I will hop back into the queue. There are no further questions in the queue. I'd like to hand the call back to Tyler Robson for closing remarks. Thank you, operator, and thank you for everyone joining. Obviously, not the ideal quarter, and again, we're not shying away from it. There are headwinds in the sector, uh, and, and we're doing our best. And if you look at the, the achievements we've made, not only internally, but com in comparison to some of our peers, we are winning. We are confident, and we know exactly what we're doing. Is it going as fast as it should? No, it never does. But at the end of the day, we are getting better every single day. Um, underlying, sentiment, un underlying fundamentals are clear, uh, and it's coming to, coming to fruition in all products and all verticals. Um, momentum is fueling our growth and will continue at the end of the year into 2022. Unique and innovative products going global, uh, increasing provincial listings, and delivering sustainable value to our shareholders. Um, I want to say thank you for all the support, and with that, I'll turn it back to the operator to close the call. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude today's teleconference. Thank you for your participation. You may disconnect your lines at this time, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.